Hey everybody, it's Rob, National Fire Radio. I am super excited about tonight because I've been trying to get Matt on an episode of National Fire Radio with me on the Frontline Mindset. Um, long story short, but we're probably going to go way over an hour on this tonight. Uh, when we started National Fire Radio, I found a, a, a essentially a, a, a FireX talk with Matt in it where he was talking about, uh, I think it was the Pride, pride in what you ride was yeah. Pride and pride and pride in what you ride, but more importantly, pride in how you ride. Pride, in, so yes. And was kind of it was kind of a derivative of uh, an article that I had uh, gotten to publish, and so uh, yeah. And I was just starstruck to talk to you, and you were surprised that I was, uh, you know, just getting a call you up on the phone, and then we got to meet each other at FireX Talk a year later, and you've had a very interesting career and you actually i can remember i called you and talked to you a little bit about some of the career moves you made and how i was just kind of blown away that you you, you did what you did and i don't think i had the fortitude to to take the plunge so to speak so but why don't we start the introduction off matt atkins tell us who you are man yeah um so my name is matt um i uh like most people found the fire service kind of accidentally uh, as a volunteer in my hometown in 2011. Um, they had a big sign up that said volunteers needed. I didn't know anything about the fire service other than they rode fire trucks and I was kind of in between like trying to figure the college thing out wasn't I was it already really wasn't my thing. Um, so firehouse seemed like a natural place to go and, and really just hang out and um, just fell in love with it right off the bat and uh, before long, I started to say, well, how can I do this as a career? You know, I, I was spending all my time at the firehouse. Wasn't I was skipping class to go to the firehouse, skipping class to run calls. And uh, so I said, well, I want to do this you know, as a, as a grown-up job. And um, after years of trying, I was lucky enough to uh, get a full-time gig um, in 2015. Uh, leading up to that, I did a year uh, as a, a live-in um, in Southern Pennsylvania, which was probably one of, to this day, one of the best fire service experiences I've ever had. Um, all of our, is a combination department and it was, our station was primarily run by live-ins and then part-time staff and all the part-time staff were full-time, uh, usually for the most part in and around like the Baltimore DC Metro. So a lot of Montgomery County guys, Anne Arundel guys, um, Annapolis, pretty much all the major departments down there were, were well represented with our part-time staff. So I got to just soak it in as a very young fireman and just kind of <clears throat> learn about what they had to say. And it was a, a pretty busy ladder company. So we got to go to a lot of fires and it was at a good time. Um, just kind of learning the job. And then, yeah, I got, I got hired full-time in 2015. I've been full-time since then. Um, with the exception of like a three month gap because, uh, we picked up and we moved our lives uh, all the way across the country to Colorado. Uh, so that was, uh, and that's, a, that's a whole different conversation to get into, but that was definitely a learning curve because, uh, at the time I had five years under my belt uh, as a career firefighter. Uh, I was part of the special operations community, um, in, in Virginia. And, you know, I had gotten to write some articles and teach, uh, all over the country. And that's, you know, we met out at firemanship, um, or fire, yeah, in Portland when I went out um, and presented. And so I was, um, I was when we came out to Colorado, uh, I was excited to get back on the job and just, 
it was in the middle of COVID and it just took a little while to find a department that was willing to hire laterals. Um, not that I was against starting full time um, or starting. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, not that I was against uh, starting like um, entry level. I, I would have in a heartbeat if it, if it meant a job, but I was fortunate to find a department hiring hiring the class of laterals, their first official class of laterals. So I, uh, I was absolutely smitten when they called me and offered me a job. And I, I've been with them at South Adams County Fire. I've been with them ever since. Um, and so we um, we're a smaller department, a growing department. We have six, six fully staffed career stations uh, immediately bordering Denver to the north of Denver. Uh, so we cover everything from suburban to we have some wildland urban interface. We cover almost all the way out to the airport. So it's, uh, it's a really diverse community to work in. Um, I was able to get back on the technical rescue team out here, which is definitely something that I enjoy working with. Uh, it's no secret, I think, for anyone that knows me that I like hanging off of ropes. And it's a big part of what I do both at work and recreationally. So um, getting a chance to get on the tech rescue team and then to join the, the guys on the tower company at Tower 24 uh, was a big honor because that was a... Um, a spot that I was I was definitely interested in, but being kind of you know more junior for the department, even though I came in as a lateral, I didn't really feel like it was my place to put in for that. But I was um, when the vacancy came open, uh, I, I even expressed to some some more senior guys at work that I, I wasn't going to put in for that spot uh, because again I was just trying to you know kind of mind my time and and, and earn my right to be there, uh, and they were like, dude, you, you should absolutely put in for it. So put in for the spot and I got it, um, and I, I've been there now. Um, at, at that assignment for almost right at a year, um, and I, I couldn't be happier. It's an awesome assignment. I mean, it, it's a tower and a heavy rescue. I mean, how how much better does it get than that? So yeah, I mean, and what what kind of example of the culture does that set for you when you're like, hey, no, I don't think I'm going to put in for this because uh, I'm going to respect seniority and time, mm -hmm. and then they're like, no, you're going to like you know they're essentially giving you permission unofficially um, just to do that that's that's a huge thing because i think a lot of people will just come into the job now and be like no i deserve this yeah I've, no and that's yeah and your mindset of being like hey i've i came here with you know this experience and everything else but i like you're starting new you know you're going to yeah. respect the process and that absolutely well i tell you what i mean you talk about culture first and foremost um I was blown away and I don't want anything that I say to detract from anywhere else that I've ever worked uh, because I could, I could brag about uh, the guys at, at my last department all day mm -hmm. long because um, I think that they were some of the best I've ever worked with. And uh, so I, I felt like I already kind of knew what high standards looked like until I came out here to, uh, to South Adams and uh, just right off the bat, it, we, it was their first ever lateral Academy. Uh, so I, th I think that they were still trying to figure out how to indoctrinate us to the department. Um, and I mean, we were, you know, throwing 28 foot ladders the morning of day one. Uh, so there was no like, you know, I, we like yeah. signed a couple pieces of paper. They gave us some uniforms. They're like, cool, drill ground. Um, and what I learned is that the expectations, a very young department, uh, both uh, just, you, you know, in terms of people in their career and then just there's just young blood in general. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as a result, everyone there, I, I don't want to say drink the, drinks the Kool-Aid because that, in, that has like a bad implication to it, but uh, everyone there is super on board with like a really high speed, low drag training culture. And the expectations are insanely high. And I, I remember looking around and being like, wow, I, I thought I was fast and I am not fast. 
Um, and so it, there was a learning curve for sure of just like learning how to keep up with the, the, the tempo. That was the, the minimum expectation there. It wasn't even like, ah, these are what our shining stars do. That This was like, in order to not be a dirtbag, this is the this is the the caliber that you're expected to perform at and so i mean even now i'm still you know i still feel like i'm behind the eight ball just just trying to, to learn to catch up so that that was really important to me that i didn't come in beating my chest and saying well you know i i did this you know um and if someone else did that like i wouldn't care i'm not the kind of person that that cares what other people do like if Proby comes in day one and, and takes the recliner. Um, I'm not going to be the person that, that that pushes him out of it, kind of deal. But I knew I wasn't going to be the, the guy to do that. Right. So, um, just you know, just came in. No one really knew how to like treat the the first lateral class because some people were like, "Congratulations, hit the ground running," and then there were some other people that you know they they just they they didn't know what we didn't know, and also we didn't know what we didn't know. So they kind of. You know, we, we just did the Proby dance and, and we did the Proby book and it was it was actually uh, I think probably one of the most beneficial things I've ever done. I would recommend anyone in the fire service to start their career from scratch a solid like five or six years in. Because I think right at that five or six year mark, you kind of hit that point where you think you know it all and you, you start to get a little complacent, maybe a little lazy. And to start it from scratch, you know, uh, that, that it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable to do that um but you learn so much about yourself and it's not always comfortable lessons i learned that there's some things yeah. i really struggled with um but that was that was what, what were some of the struggles you know so this is kind of wild um the the thing that i struggled with the most was um i had never i've never had a, an issue with confined spaces i mean i've i've done confined space rescue in the past i've i've been in tight holes in we need to edit that out <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about man i've been in tight spaces um and uh you know below ground and and, and it that was never a problem for me and then um in 2018 i was in a roof collapse i was pulled out of a roof collapse and um we just kind of like brushed it off and kind of laughed about it um you know, did the typical firehouse debrief and I moved on with my life. And, and so years, years went by. And I guess this was just something that never really, uh, showed its ugly face again. Um, and it wasn't until it was like the first or second day of that lateral Academy. And, you know, they immediately threw us into, you know, our new gear and new air packs. So I was an MSA guy. So now I'm in a Scott. I've only where I, it's been almost a decade since I'd, since I'd worn a Scott pack. And we're, we're, we're crawling through like tight tunnels and tubes and just like doing that kind of the confidence maze, which I've always thought was fun. To me, it was always like a jungle gym. Um, and I got into like, a, I don't know, six or eight, probably not 16. I'm sure not 16. That, that's tight. Like probably 18 or 20, maybe 24 inch pipe. Tight enough that with gear and an air pack on, um, mm -hmm. well, you, we, you know, you have to take your air pack off, do the whole, you know, profile drill. Um, and at right around that point, my, my Viber alert had stopped vibrating. So, you, you know, anyone who wears Scott knows what that means. Um, and me being brand new to Scott, you know, I, I was just like a little unfamiliar with what that meant, like how much, how long I actually had to, and I'm in the middle of this tube and I had like a mega panic attack. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you here, Rob. It almost 
um, it almost made me reconsider my career because I was like, wow, I've never been afraid to do this job. Um, I've worked in hurricanes and I've, like I said, it was pulled out of that roof collapse and it was all just like, yeah, whatever, you know, no big deal. Uh, and uh, I had like a major, major meltdown in that pipe. And uh, luckily I, I there, there's three other guys in, in the class with me and they were awesome. Um, and so we just kind of worked through it. And then that was, you know, that was that. And I was embarrassed because I was like, that was like one of my first impressions for this department was on um, this new guy from across the country that like had an anxiety attack in, inside of a tube. So, um, coming, coming back onto the job out of that lateral Academy was, that was like probably one of the biggest things that I learned, like, okay, I really have to, um, this is something I really have to work on. And so I just kind of made it a part of my morning routine. Like when I check my, when I check my mask, uh, when I check my air pack, like breathe that mask down, suck it to my face, put myself in uncomfortable positions to kind of get past that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was a struggle, especially coming on and being like, wow, you know, what are people going to say about, Oh, this guy got scared in tube. Like that's no one wants to be that guy. It sucks. So, so um, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about January 5th, 2018. Mm -hmm. If you're okay with it, because cool. it's, there's a, no, absolutely. Like there's a good parallel here. Um, okay. kind of, kind of take me through that day. Yeah, for sure. So, um, it's funny because they always talk about, um, things going wrong, like in the worst, the worst case scenario, like usually there's a series of kind of worst case scenarios that lead up to something going wrong. And, uh, I was, so I just, I just recently, um, been assigned to engine five, uh, which was like the rescue engine. That was an assignment that I begged for, for years. Um, and finally got an opportunity to, to go up and work there. So I was brand new at the company and pretty and new to that. Danville, first Virginia. This is bad. Yeah, this is back when I was in Danville, Virginia. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Good clarification. So, yep. um, so at this point I'm three years into that job. And I, I begged for this assignment, finally got it. And I was, I was pretty new up, up at fives, excuse me. And um, that day, both my, um, my captain and my driver at the time were off. So I had uh, a captain who he typically worked on the south side. Uh, funny enough, he would actually go on to eventually become my permanent captain up there. And to this day is one of the best bosses I've ever worked for. But, um, but I bar we barely knew each other at the time. And he had, he had been spending the last few years of his career on the south side of the city. Um, and like, so, you know, it, to picture Danville's geography, like engine three does not come up and run calls with engine five. They're on two opposite sides of the city. They just don't, they just don't commingle. So uh, it's a, just a different, different part of the area. And then our driver, uh, who is engine four's normal, normal driver, um, he was driving for us that day. So I had a, a guy in the seat, both guys up front were uh, not new to the city by any means, but. Uh, that's not their normal first do or their second do. So we come in in the morning and uh, it was super, super cold that day. I remember there was ice everywhere. And of course we get banged out on structure fire and we're going to be first due. And we could see this thing chugging from like, we turned out of the station. We were like, okay, this is, this is, this right. is a good one. Like, yeah. you know, this is getting it right. <clears throat> and so, uh, yeah, we pulled up to the front of the house. It was a, a pretty large house. It was in one of the nicer neighborhoods in the city. Uh, if I had to guess, probably like 2,500 to 3,000 square foot house with an attached garage with smoke just absolutely ripping from there was uh, like just from the eaves around the, the garage, basically, and then light smoke showing from the roof line of the actual house. So um, we decided to, uh, we, we pulled past 
and we decided to stretch past the driveway around to the Charlie side and because we knew that they had better access to the mudroom. You know, you picture a, a house that's had sliding back doors, so it goes right mm -hmm. into a living room, and then that mudroom connects the kitchen right there. So um, we did a dry stretch in through the, um, through the sliding glass doors. The inside of the living room, you, I mean, you could stand. There was, like, hardly any smoke on the first floor in that, in that part um, of the house. That way we could, our thought process was our first line should be, you know, we could tell the bulk of the fire was in the garage, probably above the, the ceiling in the garage from, from what we could tell. Um, and we wanted to try to put a line in between the garage and then the rest of the house um, right. to, try, to try to stop it there. Um, so. And, and do you, if you don't mind me interjecting real quick, do you, are you, have you gotten reports of people trapped? I mean, no. obviously we're going to keep the building is is uh occupied until we determine but like yeah of course that, that um, of course can up up the ante for you as as you're going yeah. in you know getting that those those calls and that and that feedback from dispatch right yeah there was nothing um it was uh it was called in by bystanders multiple calls obviously mm -hmm. and uh actually the house was pretty cleared out they were in the process some kind of renovation process so okay. i don't think there was actually anyone residing in the house at the time but we didn't know that we didn't know that until yeah. after so we're you know we're guns blazing until we start looking around we're like where's the furniture um and then, uh, yeah, we, we charged a line, made a push into the garage. The, the conditions inside the garage were very tenable. Uh, so we did what every company does. At this point, Ladder 1 crew had come up behind us. They start doing their job and opening up the ceiling, and we just have heavy, heavy fire above us in the ceiling. Um, start fighting fire, and it's business as usual. Uh, it's important to note that this, this department that I worked for, we saw like pretty regular fire duty. So, um, I felt at the time that I was like, this was like just a, just business as usual, just a normal day, honestly. And, uh, you know, when you're lobbing a bunch of water up into a ceiling, sheetrock starts falling down. It's like sloughing off. That's what happens when it gets wet. It's pretty normal. Um, and so I was, I just remember them hooking some ceiling, a bunch of fire up there. And then there was just like a big whoosh and the whoosh knocked me backwards um, onto my back. So I was like laying on my bottle and I felt something really heavy come across my, my right shoulder. And actually, uh, one of the guys on ladder one, um, I had previously worked on, on ladder one for a little bit down at station one downtown. And so I knew those guys really well. And, uh, one of them was kind of like a ball buster. And so my, my first thought, my first, like the first cognitive thing that went through my head was, did he just like dead arm me you know like when people are messing around and they smack yeah. in the shoulder like i thought he was messing with me because i couldn't <laughs> fathom that something else worse would have happened right and i just remember uh black just went black and embers flying everywhere and i remember it got really 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 hot and i i my first reaction was to crawl backwards and i couldn't uh because there was something kind of laying across my legs and i think that's kind of when i noticed like something's something's not right you know something's wrong something happened um and I remember reaching for my mic. We wore MSA packs, so I would always clip my mic to my, my chest strap. And I don't know if it came off or if just that day I hadn't clipped it, but I remember reaching for my mic and my because I was going to call Mayday because I was like, oh, I, I think this just something fell down on me. And I remember reaching for my mic and I couldn't, I couldn't grab it. That's a training scar. Uh, that's something we, we drill on calling Maydays all the time. But we never drill on finding your mic if it's not where you normally put it, um, which is pretty realistic, or if you can't reach it. Uh, so anyway, um, 
right about the time that I connected with my mic, I felt someone grab my shoulder strap and they kind of deadlifted me up and out. And then they helped me to my feet. And I remember, uh, it's kind of of foggy. I remember I was trying to walk, I just saw like the light and I was trying to walk towards the light and they, they, they kept stopping me. And it turns out I was trying to walk out a window because there was light coming in a window of the mudroom. And I was trying to walk out that window because I was so disoriented. <laughs> and then yeah. they, they walked, yeah, they walked me out and uh, kind of like went on each shoulder because we didn't know. We didn't know if I was messed up or not. Like I, all I knew is that something really heavy had fallen on me. I didn't even know that there was a roof collapse at the time. Uh, and I walked out and the, uh, the safety officer at the time was my old captain from Engine 1. Uh, and he, he was looking like he saw a ghost. He was white, pale white, looked like he saw a ghost and he was staring at me and his reaction scared me. Cause I was like, Oh my, am I fucked up? Like what happened? Right. Um, <laughs> my limbs still attached. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Arm, like... Uh, but I, I knew I was walking. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not paralyzed. I don't think I still have my legs. Uh, so they, they, I didn't want to go to the ambulance. Uh, cause I just kind of wanted to keep fighting fire. They're like, no, you're, you're going to go get checked out. They checked me out. Uh, I had some really bad like pins and needles in my right in my right arm, but I was like, they really wanted me to go to the hospital. I was like, that's going to be a whole thing. I don't want to do that. Like this thing's still ripping. Um, and, you know, as as we kind of pieced together what happened, uh, there's a, a full blown complete collapse of the garage roof while we were in it, uh, and it's wild because there's cell phone video, um, and I can send it to you. It's out there. It's still on the Danville Fires Facebook page if you dig far enough of of them. Uh, of all of the evac tones on all the engines, everyone's, you know, pulling the air horns and stuff. Um, and just fire, just like blowing through the roof, almost like someone cut a hole in it, you know, uh, yeah. just complete fire venting through the roof where, where there's a clear massive hole in it. And I just remember looking at that being like, Oh my God, I, that was, I was inside when that happened. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, we changed, we ended up changing bottles and we went back in and because of all this going down the, the second floor at this point had become, uh, heavily involved so we made a, a well actually we did and i think it was it would have been probably engine two was our next to engine they made a hell of a push upstairs i remember we were up behind them um and they had, they had there was enough heat up there that the the wall sockets were melted uh so you know you figure a wall sockets you know 12 inches off off the floor um and for those for those to be warped and melted and that that tells you right there how much how much heat was going on the carpet was burnt in some places so Matt, maybe post flashover but do you yeah, remember, we do you remember prior to the collapse? Like, I mean, cause you know, I'm thinking of this, like the truck company starts opening up and you mm-hmm. can see fire. Yeah. Like this just is dancing. Like, just dancing like, across. This yeah. is fucking awesome. I'm yeah. Like, and you were, you are just doing it right. Like no yeah. pun intended, but you're just, yeah, just fighting fire. And just like we always do. Yeah. And then this happened. So there, there was for yourself, there was, there was no indication. You were no. living your best life. There was no creaking, as no, a popping, nozzle man. no snapping. The house didn't talk to me and tell me it was going to collapse. Right. None of that. It was just, we were fighting fire. Then there was a yeah. whoosh. And the whoosh was just everything, including the thermal layer, just crashing down on, on top of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was. it happened so fast. And then also kind of in slow motion, like in a weird way. Um, it's hard to just really kind of describe, but, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it was a formative moment in my fire service career and I didn't walk away from it. Like, Oh, I'm traumatized. You know, I walked away from it. Like, you know, I called my wife, Hey, you're going to hear online, you know, you're going to hear on Facebook that there was a collapse and a firefighter was, you know, had received minor injuries. Just so you know, that was me. I'm fine. And then we just went back to work. You know, right. I remember that the next day, uh, we had that same captain the next day, or maybe, maybe it was later that night. I don't remember. We did a sit down debrief and he was like, 
do you think we could have done something differently? And I was like, nah, man, I mean, we, we made a push, right? We were, we were doing what we, I think was, was the right call in the moment. You know, some people would cut the garage door open and fight it. You know, typical garage, garage fire uh, kind of uh, tactics is a truck company maintains the man door and searches the, the searchable space. And then the engine company cuts the garage door and fights fire through that. We didn't have a truck company hot on our heels and we didn't know because this was like the far north corner of our dish of the city. Uh, so the truck's coming from a ways away. So we're kind of John Wayne-ing it for a little bit. Yeah. So I think he made a great call of, hey, uh, because we can't do that, let's make sure we let's get a line in between the fire and potentially potential where someone, yeah. yeah, potential victims. And that's what we did. Uh, so I don't, I don't regret that decision one bit. And I don't think that anyone made a tactical error there you work with the information that you're given but um yeah it's just it's kind of how it shook so, out so we fast forward to mm -hmm. 2020 mm -hmm. and now you're you're in this you're in this uh lateral academy and and you're finding an issue in mass confidence yeah. and yeah now how, how did you i guess how did you bridge the gap of being like holy crap like these two may be connected or i, I knew immediately I was, I, it, it, where it hit me was when I, when I couldn't move, I hit, I was in that pipe because the mass confidence was never really an issue. I mean, we had crawled through studs and low profile stuff or, you know, that was fine. Right. It was when, it was when my, my brain recognized that feeling of trying to move and being stuck. And I just went, I mean, almost I went flashback right too, right? Like I, yeah. I went right back and I was like, yeah. Oh my God, my wife, like my family, you know, get me out of here. I can't be in here anymore. And probably a lot of repressed stress, I would imagine, that was residual from from that incident. But I've done confined space stuff since then, you know, yeah. with the special operations community in Danville uh, on the tech rescue team there. It was never a problem. But I think it was just the context. There was added stress of, you know, new place, new department, new part of the country, new gear, unfamiliar, somewhat unfamiliar uh, SCBA equipment. Um, like I said, right. I'd worn Scott as a volunteer in the, you know, or like 2011 to 12 or whatever, but it was all MSA after that. So, um, yeah, so it was just, I think the, the whole thing kind of came together and, but it just, it just happened. And it was that, you know, it was just distress was just overwhelming. I don't know if I can ask this. I mean, I'm going to ask it anyway, but like, if you can't answer it, that's fine. <laughs> no, that's okay. I don't, I don't care. Do you, shit, I, I don't even know how to quite say this. Do you think that, is there like, so if somebody had, had this happen to them similarly, mm -hmm. where they've been in an incident. Is there any advice you would like Matt Atkins, uh, Atkins would give to Matt Atkins yeah. about this? Yes. Unpack it. Unpack it early. Don't, don't put it in a box. Don't unpack it. Um, I like to make the analogy because I, 2018 was a bad year for me altogether. And that, that's a whole different thing and a whole different topic we could get into. But uh, the problem is, is that year I had quite a few um, very acute, stress incidents and so the, it just filled my glass up to the brim and what i didn't realize is that from from there on out um i was uh i was just existing with with water just right at the brim of my cup mm -hmm. and you know if i did any kind of you know pressure relief it was just enough to spill just enough out of that cup that i could put a little bit more in but i was like i was just maintaining right uh and so there was there was a lot of instances mostly in my home life of where that would just boil over um and then this was the first time it had professionally boiled over um 
and in a weird way, you the stuff that the stuff at home should have been more eye-opening, uh, but because in the past I'd always prided myself in, in I think um, being decent at this job, mm -hmm. that when all of a sudden I wasn't being decent at it, that really shook me hard because I was like, whoa, this is kind of my lane, and all of a sudden I can't I'm I can't even stay in my lane. This is freaking me out. So and that's a I think a big part of that was I hadn't. I hadn't really talked about it. And I think it's mostly because I didn't feel like I needed to, but right. you do, you know? Um, so I would just say, yeah, that would be my advice is, and whether that's talk to a professional, a lot of the fire departments are adopting like a peer support platform, which I think is great. I think that's what we need more of. I'm very reluctant to talk to therapy professionals still. I would still encourage it. That That's just me personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm very open to talking to just people on the job about it because there's that sense of camaraderie and, and we get each other, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, don't don't let it pile up. Just unpack it as early as you can. Yeah, and I, I mean, I cannot imagine, like, I, I have, and as I've, you know, I'm almost going to, I'm going to hit my 20 in March. Wow, that's and awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Uh, it's hard to believe it. And then right? for anybody listening, it goes by that quick. Yeah. Everybody, everybody fucking told me that, and I didn't believe him. Nah. And here I am, and I'm, I'm coming up on twenty. Um, but mass confidence is one of those things. Whereas I've gotten older in the fire service, I, I've had that moment where I've just been like, "Oh shit, man, I, I'm yeah. freaking out here." Like, well, we change, right? When, right. when you're 19 years old in the fire service, you're a kamikaze pilot, and it's really easy. That's just great. Like, I don't care. Bagpipes sound pretty. I don't care. Uh, and then the older you get. Uh, right? Am I right, though? Yeah. Right. A, that is yeah. the best analogy ever. Yeah. Like, I'm, you're, and I'm the older you get, and the longer you spend on the job, and you have a family at home, and, mm -hmm. and things change, and it's it's okay to have that identity crisis of being like, "Wow, uh, something that never used to scare me all of a sudden scares me, and now I need to work through it." Because it's a critical part of the job. You can't just be like, "Well, I, it scares me, so I just won't do that anymore," because we have to. So. Uh, you're constantly kind of reinventing yourself as a, as a firefighter on this job. So, as you develop the mindset to work through this issue with mass confidence when you were in this lateral academy, mm -hmm. how like did 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 it bubble up again? No, I never really had any issues after that. Okay, um, and I went out of my way. My first reaction was to hide from doing that, and I was like, "That's not an option," you know. So I just kind of collected collected myself mentally, and then. Uh, would go out of my way. And, and, uh, I remember pretty early on into my first assignment, I got assigned to engine 22 out of the Academy with, with a stellar crew and a real go-getter captain. Um, and I was really fortunate because the captain, uh, is a, uh, tenured combat vet and he's also been on the job for probably 20 years. Uh, and so I was just up front. I was like, Hey cap, um, you know, I, this is something that I got to work on. He was like, "Cool, we'll work on it." And then very early on, uh, he was like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go do that maze again. Like you're gonna confront it again." Um, and he's like, "You know, we'll be right there with you, but but we you got to go through it again. You can't leave it just being like oh, it was scary and then trying to hide from it." Uh, and so we did, and it was fine. It was like I remember leaving and being like, "Wow, that was easy. Like that was so fun. Right. It was just that one moment." Well, and like I said, like I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not a mental health professional, so I have my firehouse degree in psychology. But like, you know, everything's there, right? You're in mm -hmm. your turnout, like confined space stuff. It's a, 
you're not in structural firefighting gear typically when you're doing right. That. Yeah, you're in BDUs and you have a little survival bottle, and you know it's it's easier to just inchworm your way through stuff. Plus, right. usually you're not as you're not quite as worked because you right. know that was that was the very end of the day too, and that's the other thing too. I was probably like, you know, gross misconditioned black, like heart rate of two hundred something, you know, just absolutely in you know lizard mode. Yeah. So, but how spot on? Like, I mean, I the the, the captain being able to not only bring you back but like give you the um support of the crew mm -hmm. like hey we're here like not yeah that, not that you were struggling with but like just that that's such a solid move you know yeah it was smart he knew what he was so, doing you know yeah. yeah so and i need his name and number after this so i can get him on the show but no oh he's you will have a heck of a time talking to him <laughs> i promise you so <laughs> With that being said, like, can you, you know, we've, we've, we've hit on this point about this incident and how you've overcome it and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you started out in a smaller volunteer department. I want to go back a little bit here. Sure. Yeah. And then you, you transitioned into this live-in program mm -hmm. in Southern, which, which department is it? So, uh, the department at the time when I joined was Eden fire company. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was there during their merger when they basically became an entity of Manheim Township fire rescue, which was a three station, three station combination agency. So, um, I was, I mean, the ink was barely dry on my name tag when, uh, when they made that transition, Right. but I was there kind of to see both sides of it. So, so, you know, a department that maybe did, and, and I, and I think, like what two three hundred calls a year to Manheim Township, which is going to yeah. do a couple more. Yeah, we we went from so I, I want to say our and now you know now looking back in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't wasn't you know busy by numbers, uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, my first volunteer company, uh, which is in Lehigh County, Pennsylvania, which is my, my hometown, that's where I grew up. Uh, they ran maybe three hundred a year, uh, and then this company was running, you know, maybe a thousand and change. Mm -hmm. um, that and that's not the whole department. That was just that station, right? Uh, which ran just an engine, an engine for the most part, an engine and, and a tiller ladder truck. Um, so yeah. it was awesome. That was like the coolest. They, they gave me an ultimate. They're like, look, you either have to start driving the engine or uh, tilling the back end of the tiller. And I was like, well, that's that's an, that's an easy decision. So I still miss that. I missed I missed the hell out of that. I want them to get a tiller at work so bad and. <laughs> Colorado is like this beef with tillers. There's one department, Greeley, that has one. Everyone's like, we don't, we only want rear mounts. And it's like, all right, if you say so. <laughs> You're really missing out on the fun. I don't want to hear you complain when you can't get into these neighborhoods. <laughs> so the, the live-in life is a different life. Now, I I, yeah. I never I never was a live-in. I, I was a volunteer member, uh, and it's funny, they call it a, a local member of Hyattsville. Uh, down okay. in County, Maryland. But yeah, every yeah. year when I first started, the live-ins would go away for a week to the big had a beach week. So I, I would go down and man the firehouse and I would be a live-in yeah. for a week, um, which was not anything like what those guys experienced as live-ins of, of the company, but, uh, and, and of the bunk room kind of talk about, can, or can, can you, can you hit on some of these like things that Absolutely. about being a live-in? Because I think it's, we talk about it and I like tell people all the time, like, Hey, if you're looking for a living program, go to Hyattsville. Yeah. Um, but like, and they're like, why? And I'm like, because it's an awesome experience. Mm -hmm. But then I can't really follow it up with anything other than like, well, they'll go to fires, like mm -hmm. got a tiller truck. So there's that. Um, right. Like kind of hit on, can you, can you hit on some of that? Yeah. Stuff? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, and uh, you know, my experience, I can't even compare it to like a, a, a Prince George County experience. Right. Cause 
just the, the call volume and then the volume of fire that they see. And, uh, you know, there's times that I look back and I say, man, you know, if I, uh, if I had even known, I didn't even know what PG County was when I right. started volunteering. Um, I Google searched live in fire departments in Pennsylvania. That's what I searched. Uh, and this department came up. Uh, I had, uh, I, I found out that, you know, the live in thing was, was an option from a friend of mine who had, had done one, um, kind of outside of Reading. So he was like, Hey, you know, if, if you're looking for, uh, just experience and at the time, and it's, it's crazy how much it's changed, but at the time it was so competitive to, to try to get onto any fire job. And you remember it. Like mm -hmm. I remember <clears throat> my, my first uh, fire department test that I took was for the city of Allentown. And I think I showed up wearing my, my volunteer job shirt, like with a pager on my belt. Right. You know, it's just, you don't know what you don't know. I, I never had a mentor to be like, okay, look, put on a suit and tie, go up, you know? So, and it was just so competitive at the time. And I was just clueless. I had no idea how to, how to even broach, getting hired at, at a fire job. So someone recommended this living program and I went and I rode along with them and just got to ride on the tiller. And, you know, they were like, isn't this cool? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, cool. If you ever move in, like you don't even get to think about this until you finish your engine book. And I was like, that's fine. You know, whatever. Um, but they kind of welcomed me with open arms and I instantly, I just, I gravitated towards the people there. I would recommend a living program to any young firefighter who is, trying to get on the job but maybe doesn't have the, the mentorship or they don't know how to play the game yet um, and I would highly recommend one that is a, a combination department because then you have that that benefit of working with because I remember like prepping for interviews because at the time I was carpet bombing the East Coast and applications I was in DC's process um, I had applied for Philly I had tested for Arlington and Alexandria and Fairfax like everywhere in and around everyone that was hiring, I, I would apply and go test and occasionally interview for. Um, and I just remember talking to those guys and being like, Hey, um, you know, help me through the interview questions. Um, and you know, that, that was the first time that I ever had someone on the job. You know, I think they were like a Lieutenant in Montgomery County, Maryland. So they're doing something right. Uh, and they were like, yeah, don't tell them that the reason they should hire you is because you're an aggressive firefighter. Like they don't, they don't care. It's a numbers game. Like you got to, play the get you have to learn how to play the game to get on the job kind of deal mm -hmm. um and then on top of that you just when you, for us and every living program is different but um our program was you you uh you had to either be employed part-time or a full-time student uh so most of the livings were paramedic students and then i was one of the few that wasn't a student i was just working part-time on an ambulance uh just kind of as a way to basically meet the minimum employment requirement to be allowed to live at this firehouse for free. And, uh, so you live there at 365. Uh, and, um, we had to put on the schedule, like if we wanted to go out for a day, you had to put it on the schedule. Like basically you had to schedule your time off. We had, you know, we had bunk rooms and all, it was honestly almost like a, a college dorm attached to the firehouse. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, I got to live with these guys for, you know, 24 seven, literally 365. And we were always the, always on the rig. If, if we were at the station and there was a call, you were on the rig, we had riding assignments. So, uh, you start out on the engine, you know, you, you do your, your proby book on the engine and then you do your truck book, which is like your truck probationary book. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, to, to graduate the try and I, now I look back and I'm like, man, I, I don't even think this would fly anymore, but, uh, like to graduate your truck book, like the final thing was, uh, you know, they, they put the stick 
all the way extended. So it was a hundred foot stick at 70, you know, 70, 72 degrees, whatever the computer would, would lock it out at, um, which to, I, I can't imagine there's anyone listening to this podcast that hasn't climbed an aerial, but to someone that had like 75 degrees on an aerial feels damn vertical. Right. Yeah. And with all of our gear in an air pack, we had to climb all the way to the top and back down in two minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, wow. Uh, That's which is, which is climbing at a pace that now I look back and I'm like, if I tried to do that now, I'd probably fall off the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, rem I remember doing it and coming back down and them showing me that time. And I was like 245. And they're like, well, you can, you can wait till tomorrow. And I was like, I had already pumped my, and I was like, no, I'm just going to do it again. And so like, I just did it again. And like, I, I just barely beat it. Right. And that was like, and then they give you the truck patch and uh, I should have prepared myself better. I, I would have gone up and gotten it, but the truck patch was just this like really cool thing that, that you earn by, by, getting like basically earning your op your your right to ride that ladder truck um it's cool because the, the the truck ran the cause the engine only really ran first and second do but the truck ran all over the county uh right. it was us in roarstown uh 67 truck that we we ran uh we were like on almost all half the boxes it seemed three quarters of the boxes in the county it seems so we got to go to fires so you wanted to be on the truck um it's a, it was just such a cool experience you know so I, I think too, like the thing that I'm pulling away is there is a standard, right? Like you did it in two minutes, oh, and 45 yeah. seconds, and you were just like, they're like, you're no. like "Well, I guess you can do it." To, and you're, <laughs> I'm going to do it again. Yeah, they're like, and, "No, it wasn't good enough." No, you're right. Uh, and that standard is huge, and that's also that's like the, my first exposure to a real kind of standard. And I, I want to, I got to tread lightly when I say this, and and I think when I did my fire talk, and I, I maybe wasn't quite as diplomatic then as I wish I was. Uh, because the last thing I want to do is is alienate the guys that I started with as as an early volunteer. There, I still have very very fond memories of my time there. Um, but it, it's it was just it was a community volunteer fire department, and they're they're just doing the best that they would that they could do with with what yeah. they had. Um, and and th there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, that's that's I think you know. I think that's kind of more heroic than anything because they're just like everyday guys that are, they're showing up to, to help people. Right. Um, and that's not to say like they weren't educated in the fire, you know, they, they were going to classes and stuff, but the standard there was, was showing up, honestly. I mean, as a very early volunteer, I didn't have fire one before I was going interior. I mean, very early on, they were like, here's how to work the pack. Don't let don't let me turn around and you not be there kind of thing, right? So right. there wasn't much of a standard. The standard was just hold on for the ride and, and don't die. And so all of a sudden I'm at this department and we have this this probie book and we have guys coming around like, you know, and I'd go, Hey, can we and the story I talked about in FireX was uh, I was like, Hey, can we go throw ladders? And he's like, Yeah. So we threw ladders like all day long. And ladders has always been a weakness of mine. I'm five not to make a few I'm five six, I'm one seventy. Um so like you have these big six foot mon, you know, big guys, massive big right, guys right. are like, here's how to do it. And yeah. then they do it. And then you're like, I, I don't even have the ergonomics to do that. So, um, so we spent all day throwing ladders and, uh, and I was like, cool, you signed me off. And he's like, absolutely not. Like you have a ways to go. And that was my first time ever. I was like, Oh, there's a, there's a standard. This isn't just like show up and do your best and have fun. And we'll pat you on the back and give you a, a badge. Like, you know, uh, and that was an, again, like I can track that back. That was another like very formative experience in my fire service career. Right. Mm -hmm. So that it's no different than climbing that ladder and just not quite making the time and having to go up and do it again. And, but 
I remember, I'll never forget getting that patch and being like, wow, like I've earned the right to ride this thing, you know? You made and, it. Uh, I made it, right? Yeah. And, then, and then getting to, to learn to till on it. And I was just like, just the, the coolest freaking thing in the world. Um, you know, and that was my first time learning like what assignments were on a ladder truck. I always thought, you know, a ladder truck, you know, in uh, rural and suburban volunteer world, a ladder truck just shows up and puts a ladder up and a lot of times just sprays water on the roof, right? Yeah. Like, you don't. You ladder don't, goes up, building goes down. It wasn't down. like a tree. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and so it was like, oh, like we have a job, you know, like, yeah. You know, the inside yeah. guys search, the outside guys, you know, bang ladders and, and cut holes in roofs. So I was like, this is different. This is something new. So it was, it was cool. Um, but the, just the, the exposure, I mean, I would equate, you know, one year there to probably three years anywhere else because you're there every single day. You well, don't go home. You're that, always there. Um, and, and so, and, and that's like, I, I think that people talk about, you know, like sports, right? Like, like I, I was listening to a, uh, a Ted talk the other night about somebody who she was talking about her early wanting to get on the varsity team and all these things that she was doing to prepare you know, like sleeping in her in her basketball shoes, like shooting baskets in the morning, and just like picturing all these things and and doing all this mental prep. When you're in a live-in program, when you're in a firehouse like that, you know, and and for me in Hyattsville, I would go down on my three days off, so I'd be there for every lick of time that I could get before I knew I had to get back on the road to drive back to New York to go back to work. Um, like you are. Um, you know, you, you are surrounded by the culture of the fire service. Yeah. You are literally inundated. inundated. You're living and breathing it and, and, and it is enveloping you. And that's one of those things where like, you just, I don't want to say you don't get to screw off because there's, there certainly could be opportunities for that, but like you are, you yeah. are, you are there. Yeah. I mean, we did screw off. I mean, we, we, it was right. like a, it was like a, almost like a college dorm with fire mm -hmm. trucks in it. You know, and we we did everything that twenty year old, nineteen you know whatever shitheads would do in a college dorm, except we were doing it in a fire station, and we were doing it in a fire station without alcohol. Uh, we had like a super strict no alcohol policy, and so we just yeah. found ways to kind of uh, wholesomely, you know, mind our time there, in between running calls. Um, and it, it's different. It's di it's different than a come from home volunteer. It's different than being on the job in a career department. It's just it's totally different. And, you know, it, any young firefighter that comes up to me and says, hey, I'm trying to, like, bridge that gap, but I don't know how to do it yet. I'm like, do a year, a couple years at a living program. Go out, go far from home. Go to, if you're in Colorado, I've told, I've had this conversation with young firefighters here before. Mm -hmm. Go to, go to Prince George County, you know, or, or go, just go somewhere. Go somewhere far from home that has a program that's busy enough that you're not just going to be bored all the time. Right. Uh, and has a good enough culture where you're going to learn how to be like a firefighter, you know? Well, um, and, and that's another thing you talked on before is the, you know, the, you, you said about the, the combination system and mm -hmm. volunteering in that, but also like the members of that company who were on the job in Montgomery County, yeah. DC, Baltimore, like they're, they're there for the right, like they're not there to be shit bags. They're there to, yeah. Door and, and if you put the effort Absolutely. in, they're going to meet you yeah. and push you farther. So like Absolutely. That, that was one of the things where I, I learned hard lessons, you know, going to Hyattsville and having to eat crow and just mm -hmm. like some of the people like they, I'll never be able to pay them back. Right. Like, yeah. Because they, they, they paved my career 
with good examples. Yeah. And they also didn't put up with my bullshit, you know? Oh, I mean, I, that, that's a perfect way of putting it. Um, I was the worst two and 20 fireman that ever existed when I, when I moved into that living program, <laughs> I thought I knew everything. Cause I had firefighter one. Uh, because that wasn't a requirement at my last apartment. That was very, that was like uh, right. extra credit, you know? And so I was like, I have fire one and EMT. I'm God's gift to firefighting. And really early on, they were just like, yeah, just, you know, laughed me out of the room. And there's a, there's a few guys that um, at the time I was like afraid of because they were, they were hard asses. And I was like, I don't want them to talk down to me, you know, cause you're just immature and, and young. And now looking back, I was like, God, they were good mentors, and they were never—they were never lousy to me. I've never—I've never been treated poorly in the fire service, so I'm very fortunate. I think I had probably a better experience than a lot of people have. I've never been yeah. treated poorly, other than like isolated incidents of people just having shitty personalities. But like, even then, like they—they they did a really good job at knocking me down, but in like a constructive way, um, right. and in a way that made me like idolize them. Like I kind of hated them in the moment, but now looking back. Wow, they were good. You know, they really knew what they were doing in a mentorship capacity. And we didn't all the paid the paid guys there, like they were not collecting paychecks. I mean, it was they were this was a side hustle for them. They were already on the job somewhere else. And so they, you know, probably lived closer to here and they just wanted to, you know, work at another fire station. That that's that's pretty impressive now looking back. Cause I can't I don't know if I would even want to like work part-time at a fire station right now just because it's like it's sometimes it's just too much so for those guys to be doing that that just goes to show how ate up with the job they were anyway right. um so it was it was the best possible place for me to kind of come of age within the fire service and learn what the job was about and if it was for me and and also learn that it wasn't for everyone because um there was a lot of people livings that uh i i think anywhere else would be considered great firefighters and I, I looked up to them. A lot of them were there before I, I had got there. So I looked up to them um, and they got dismissed because they weren't meeting a standard. And that was, again, one of those first moments in my career. Where I was like, oh, not everything in this job is a participation trophy. Because, like, you know, when you take fire one at a community college, it's a you show up, right, right. you pass the written test and you, you, you don't fumble the chainsaw or the nozzle and they give you a firefighter one certificate. Not to downplay anyone going through it, but, it, you know. Um, this is my first time I was like, Oh, there's consequences. Like if you don't meet a standard, they're not just going to like mm -hmm. pat you on the back and be like, okay, buddy, like they, they'll show you to the door. Um, I was like, Oh wow. I don't, I don't want to do that. So it was a humbling learning experience to, to, to see that happen. And, and they're good friends of mine and it sucked. It sucked to see right, them right. have to leave and, you know, you just wish them the best and you move on with your career. But Matt, I like to talk about mentors just because I think mentorship is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Who's a mentor for you that, uh, if you're comfortable talking about it, who shaped your career in a positive oh, way? I have so many. Um, I have a lot, honestly. It's it, it would be really hard for me to, like, nail down everyone. But if I had to pick a few names, okay. like, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for because I... What I don't no, I just, do it's, it's you know. something that I like talking about because I think that, you know, Absolutely. our careers are shaped by people who, oh. and sometimes I don't even think they realize they're being a mentor. Mm -hmm. I think they're in the right place at the right time to smack us in the back of the head or yeah. to grab us, you know, by the, the face piece, so to speak, you know, and say, yeah. like, hey, knock it off. Yeah. Put your head in the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could just pick out a few from just, just every, 
every stage of my career, you know, I have a couple for every, every stage I've gone through. Um, when I first started as a, as a vol, as a very early volunteer, uh, one of the assistant chiefs there, Mike Garris, uh, I, I still have very fond memories of, uh, he would just bend over backwards to make sure I was getting the entry level attention that I needed. Um, and he now looking back, put up with a lot of just my early energy, but you know, he, he was the guy who go into a fire. I'd be like, Hey Mikey, can I put an air pack on, you know? And he'd be like, kind of roll his eyes and be like, you know, probably look around and be like, well, you're the only other one in this truck. So yeah, sure. Go ahead. Put an air pack on and you know, don't get away from me kind of thing. <laughs> um, I still have super fond memory. I wish I had more pictures in those days. I took a, a million and just in, you know, life moving on and different cell phones. I don't, I don't really have any more. Yeah. And those were super fond memories because everything was so new and fun. And then, um, you know, you move on and, uh, at Eden, uh, there's a dude, uh, by the name of Ryan Spangler. He was one of our, uh, he was a prior, a previous live-in that was, would still come around. Um, at the time he was an Arlington firefighter. Now he works for Harrisburg. Fun fact, I think he was, he just graduated, not this past one, but the one previous, he graduated the Georgia Smoke Diver Program. And I think he was the first Pennsylvanian to ever graduate the Georgia Smoke Diver Program. So that tells you everything you need to know about him. Mm -hmm. uh, now, yeah, but now he works for Harrisburg going to fires probably every shift. Um, but he was, uh, he was the guy that would come around and, and I would, I would be like, Oh, great. He's here. He's going to make us train. Um, and I'm so much better because of him, even to this day, I think he was a very, very early mentor of mine. Um, there's so many, uh, Steve Miller and Steven Truesdell, um, two Annapolis firemen. Uh, they were, uh, yeah, just instrumental in, I think, the who I became as a firefighter in the fire service. Two very different personalities. Steve was kind of our resident goofball, and, and uh, I guess they're both both Steve. But then uh, Truesdell was like a hard ass um, and, and took the job super seriously and taught us that it's not okay to not take the job seriously. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just... Every time those guys would come around, I, I was like, I'm going to learn something today, you know, one way or another. Uh, and then uh, I got my first big boy fire job and I had a lot of mentors there. But uh, I think my, my, my biggest one is just uh, uh, I, I got to end my career there working for Captain uh, Nate Sergeant. Uh, he was the captain that pulled me out of that fire. But then he went on to uh, end up getting assigned to five, became my first captain. He was he was there for so many major major moments in my career um the, the the collapse uh he my first day ever driving a fire truck uh like on shift actively was uh that literally first night i was working for him um which was also it wasn't my first fatal fire but it was my my first fire that my first night driving my first fire driving and it was it was a ripping ripping fire that uh unfortunately the, the woman didn't survive so we we unpacked all that together and uh he just taught me so much about leadership we worked hurricane florence and hurricane michael together i think we spent collectively 16 hours on uh, during hurricane michael like just in swift water making rescues and so we shared a a boat for most of that time um and i just got to really see what a working boss looked like and and what a what it looked like to have a a supervisor who 
was able to be a hands-on fire officer and also uh, just a blue collar hard worker. Mm. Um, and then simultaneously like, uh, just, uh, how to just stay, not to be cliche, but how to stay like calm in the storm to this day. I mean, I, I really idolize kind of what he brought to the table on a, on a fire ground. Um, I mean, it's so hard for me to just like single out individuals because there's so there's so many others. I mean, I, I worked with a one of my best friends, Trevor. We worked together. We rode backwards together for most of my career. And I don't know if you know uh, Timmy McGow, but um, we uh, we uh, he was uh, down in North Carolina, but we we worked together on the training circuit a bit right towards the end of me being in the southeast. And I wish I would have stuck around a little longer to get to develop that relationship with him. But we stayed in touch. Uh, he's more of like a, I think just like a life mentor. I've just seen a lot of the stuff he's done. Um, yeah. I, my, you know, Brad, I, Brad touched a lot of lives uh, before he was taken too soon. And uh, when we were getting full alarm. For for uh, for, for those out there, uh, just who, who's Brad? Because a okay. lot of people won't be familiar. No, that, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. no, that's important. Uh, yeah, so Brad, Brad Clark. Um, he was uh, lieutenant with Engine Six in Hanover, Virginia, which is a little outside of Richmond. Um, and he was just like, I mean, such a, a vibrant figure, uh, super uh, outspoken on like the conference and, and the teaching scene. And he was everywhere. And so, like, if, mm -hmm. if you went to conferences up and down the East Coast, you knew Brad. And I, if you went to Portland, you knew Brad. Like, he was just everywhere, right? Uh, so we, we crossed paths at, at conferences and, and we had a lot of mutual connections. And so that kind of formed a bond and I'll never forget, uh, drinking beers in Alexandria, uh, after, uh, Andy Frederick's training days and realizing that we, I had an Academy brother who he had previously taught in an Academy because like this guy had come from his department. And so, uh, you know, we kind of connected over the fact that we, we had this pretty close mutual friend and, and from there on out, I really looked up to him. You know, he was just this kind of larger than life guy that seemed to have family on lockdown and, and, um, that, that was just a, a great training mentor, a big part of the, the 350 line cadre who, uh, brought a lot of awesome engine company stuff to the table. And, um, yeah, just really gravitated towards his personality and who he was as an individual. And, I don't uh, I, yeah. I don't re have re a lot of regrets in the fire service uh -huh. um, because mainly they take up a lot of time in my brain. That's not yeah. necessary. It's true. I have heard so much about Brad Clark and I am. Yeah. It, it is truly one of those. He's one of those people who I am. Sorry. I never got the chance to meet. Yeah. And, and, and it's, yeah, it, he, um, and there's, a, there's a couple others that like, and, and, and just like what you did, like when, when guys talk about them, there is a conversation, like the conversation is passionate and there's a passion of oh, yeah. people talking about them because of their passion they ended in them. Yeah. So Brad's uh, we, definitely we, somebody yeah. who I'm like, I'm I'm super, super aggravated that I never got to meet him. And yeah. that's why I try to take a little bit more of an aggressive approach of shaking hands now. So I would recommend that to especially new, you know, newer people coming on the job. Like, you know, take the picture is kind of like a, a trendy thing right now, but it's very true. And then also, yeah, just shake the hand, get to know someone. Um, yeah. we, we closed down a bar in Petersburg, uh, and we just talked shop until they, they literally kicked us out. And it was, I think during that conversation that I was like, Hey, you know, we're kind of thinking of starting a, like a training group 
in the Danville area because there's nothing in South Central to bring conferences in, you know, or, or to bring training, mm -hmm. outside training in. And he was like, and I, I guess, I, I don't know, I think in a weird way, I was maybe asking for his like a blessing, not permission, but like his blessing, like, hey, yeah. like, is this weird if we do this, you know, because like, I don't think I know everything, but we're trying to more so create a platform to, to bring in training because it doesn't right. really exist right here. And he was like, do it, do it, absolutely do it. Um, and he was so supportive, man. And then, you know, anytime I had questions about something, I text him or Snapchat him or whatever. And, and, um, just wish I, I just wish I, could, I knew him longer, you know, and yeah. there's a lot of people out there that have way more and way longer, you know, memories, of it, you know, but, uh, yeah. So he was he huge, huge, huge influence on my fire service career kind of encouraged me to really take the step into like the, the, the training educational side of the fire service. Cause I was like, wow, like. I saw how he made he or how he made me feel. I was like, I, I want to do that to other people. Like, I want to get them, you know, passionate about the job and riled up and like ready to go back to work and and make changes uh, that that serves our citizens better, right? Like, I was like, that's yeah. cool. So, um, yeah, those are just. I mean, like I said the list could go on and on. Those are some. Mega I, mentors in my career. I, I, I like it because it kind of goes through your career. And, you know, sometimes there's people who have a specific person, but this is this is great because you not only have those people who helped you through your career, but each one of them, you, you kind of painted them into the appropriate section of your yeah. life as, as you're going. So, and those are just the personal, I mean, there, and there's yeah. so many yeah. more, but those are like very personal connections, right? Like, you, I could say people on, the circuit or people who have written articles that were in, like, you know, all of that mm -hmm. obviously has, has mentored me in, in multiple ways. Um, but those are just people that like, when I, when, when you say mentors in the fire service, that's where my brain goes. Yeah. Is, is these people. So. Matt, we've been going on for an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to, we kind of got to wrap things up no, here a little bit, but uh, where can people find you? Um, they could find me in, uh, in Colorado right now in, in Commerce City, uh, riding Tower Twenty Four. Um, if, if you're looking for, uh, I don't have much yeah. social channels. Like yeah, if they yeah, wanted to course. reach out to you, follow yeah. something up. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I'll happily, um, man. If you want to jot down my my cell number, my uh, my email. Um, I don't know if you like want to put those in a blurb or whatever. Yeah, we I'm can, readily available. Yeah. Um, if you want to give I, your phone number to the internet. By all means. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. Maybe, but uh, feel free to, to hand it out if, if someone yeah. asks for it. I guess I would say. Can they uh, find you on social media? Yeah, they sure can. Um, I'll put my. I'll give you the link for my Facebook and my Instagram. Um, I, I'll give you the link for the full alarm uh, stuff. Unfortunately, uh, the one of them, one of the platforms was hacked, uh, and the other one we just haven't really done much uh, with full alarm. I moved out to here, and there's already a very robust training company network. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't really my place to, I'm just still trying to learn my job here. And so I was like, ah, maybe I'll pump the brakes. And the guys uh, just, because there were two other partners, Trevor and Alan with Full Alarm, and, and uh, they're still very actively involved in the training circuit, uh, but they just have just family and career uh, stuff going on. So they're not really running the page or anything, which is which is fine. So don't be surprised if you go on and, and there's a ton of stuff probably from 20. 17 or 18 until like 2020 when i when i left but there's not much more after that but uh i'll i'll put all those links down um yeah happy to answer any questions i don't i don't have much to bring to the table i was kind of surprised he still wanted to chat because i'm like i haven't i'm just just a firefighter doing his job i know that's kind of cliche now but it's, it's no, true but it's all right you know man. 
So, well, Matt, thank you for sitting down and there we go. My mouse stopped working. Thank you for sitting down and talking with me today. I'm Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. This is a, was fantastic. Stick around for a minute. Again. I'm going to do our uh, outro here. But everybody, this is Rob, Frontline Mindset with National Fair Radio. Matt Atkins, out in Colorado. This man is a rock star. Also, like we didn't even get to hit on the mountain climbing stuff and everything else. Uh, we'll have to follow that up with another <laughs> conversation one day because it's a really good story he told me when he was uh, – when long story short, Matt saved me and, and Molly from a brief bit of sanity at a wedding that we were out in Colorado for. And, and thank God we got to see him or else we probably would have gone to the loony bin. But uh, he told you, he gave me a great story about um, going on a, going on a hike and coming across some people who were wearing like flip flops and like, you know, tank tops and a, a storm system came in. I'm overselling it here a little bit. But, you know. <laughs> anyway, it's another day in the mountains, man. Yeah. This is Rob National Fire Radio, Frontline Mindset. Matt Atkins, thank you for joining. We'll see you guys out there. Stay safe. Okay. National Fire Radio.